IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. The Israel Report with Rolene Marx. So much to unpack on today's uh, show. Joining us now from Israel, our correspondent Rolene Marx. Good afternoon, Rolene. Great to have you on board as always. Always good to be here. Indeed, so much happening. Well, uh, troops have now begun to withdraw from Janine. I take it that's still in progress. The IDF has ended the Janine operation. One soldier has been killed. Rockets have been fired from Gaza. We've got funerals taking place. Over to you, Rolene. Tell us what's happening right now. Well, the IDF have concluded the uh, two-day operation in Jenin. This was the military operation to root out terror that they internally called Operation Bayat Vegan, Operation House and Garden. And uh, the IDF officials have said that they achieved their aims at destroying a lot of the terror infrastructure in the city of Jenin. Jenin is the city of origin for the planning and the carrying out of many terror attacks that have cost the lives of Israelis at least 16 this year. And this is the first time since 2002 that the Israeli military have uh, um, engaged in a major military operation. Uh, at the end of the operation, 12 Palestinian, all militants, uh, were killed. They, they have had their funerals today. And we know that they are terrorists and militants because their bodies are draped with the various flags of their factions, Islamic Jihad, Hamas, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, as our troops were withdrawing, according to the IDF spokesperson, they are out of Janine at the moment. We lost the soldier, Staff Sergeant David Yehuda Yitzchak, just 23 years old from Beit El, part of the Egoz unit. He was tragically shot. The IDF have said that they are investigating, uh, you know, who was responsible for killing him. I think what we've seen over um, recent months, especially when it comes to high conflict situations, is they're going to want to investigate every death uh, as um, intensely as possible. His family have requested no media presence at his funeral today. Uh, but at the, the death toll at the end of this operation, 12 Palestinians, all terrorists, and one Israeli soldier, may his memory be blessed. Uh, along with our troops withdrawing, we also had five rockets fired from the Gaza Strip into Israeli sovereign territory. The Iron Dome anti-missile batteries intercepting uh, a family in Sterot reported hearing a loud bang on their roof. This was the shrapnel from the interception from the Iron Dome that landed on the roof and then bounced into the children's uh, little paddling pool. You know, it, it always chills me to the bone, Michael, when I think of what could possibly happen if there were children in that yeah. uh, paddling pool. Mm-hmm. Our Defence Minister, your Galant, just a short while ago saying that this is not the end well, this is not the last of these type of military operations, and that if the Palestinian Authority don't take charge of Jenin and calm the situation down, we will have to go in again. 
I think there's been a lot of confusion as to what has happened, why the IDF went in. Is Jenin a refugee camp? Isn't it a refugee camp? Jenin is not a refugee camp. According to the Oslo Accords, Jenin falls under the auspices or the remit of the Palestinian Authority, and it is their responsibility to rein in terror factions. It is their responsibility to maintain calm and peace. Unfortunately, they haven't done this for several years, and it has created a power vacuum which has allowed these terrorist groups, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Hamas, and very worryingly, the lion's den, uh, as, as well as lone wolf attackers who don't subscribe to any particular fashion to mm. carry out their, their terror um, attacks. Uh, at the moment, the Palestinian Authority suspended security cooperation with Israel. It is absolutely vital that we have this cooperation mm. that the Palestinian Authority security forces are able to rein mm. in uh, would-be terrorists so that we can have peace and calm. So, Rowling, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, so the IDF has been pulling out since uh, this morning, and uh, we take it now there's still a withdrawal of forces. Have there been any reports of uh, any, shall we say, retaliatory attacks, shall we say, departure attacks, or any con- any uh, engagements going on? Uh, are there any recent reports to that effect? All troops are out, so mm-hmm. we have fully withdrawn from Okay, Germany. right. Uh, and we know that Staff Sergeant... Uh, uh, Yitzhak came under fire as the troops were mm-hmm. withdrawing. Uh, right. Any other exchanges of fire since then, uh, there have been no reports. Sure. Okay, Rolene, so we've been dealing with conflicts and uh, confrontation and engagements. Let's now uh, look at some inspiring stories happening in the Holy Land. Liberia is to open an embassy in Israel. Tell us more. Yes, this is exciting news. As uh, some of you may know, we are on Embassy Watch. We have 98 embassies in the state of Israel. We want to get that number up to 100. Last week, we had the amazing news coming in from Fiji. They would be opening their embassy. And now we have the Liberian president, George Weyer. He is in the country at the moment. Uh, He met with President Herzog. He also met with Prime Minister Netanyahu. The two leaders had a a great conversation about, you know, cooperation, especially in the field of knowledge sharing, agriculture. Uh, More and more African countries, are you paying attention, South Africa, are opening up to engaging with Israel, uh, strengthening ties with Israel, especially since we face so many of the same challenges Mm. Environmental challenges, water shortage challenges, agricultural challenges that African countries do. And Israel certainly has the know-how, which we are really, really happy um, to share with countries that that are open to learning from Israeli know-how. So that meeting was very, very successful. And then he had a meeting with our top diplomat, the foreign minister, Eli Cohen, where he stated his intention to open up a Liberian embassy in Israel. So very, very exciting. That would make it country number 99. Who's going to be uh, 
um, country number 100 who's going to help us reach our goal Michael I wonder yeah really whilst we're on that um, this year alone there have been quite a number of African countries that have come on board am I right so I don't want to put you on a spot but how many do you think have come on board so uh, so quickly I believe also inspired like for example the Abraham Accords and what as you say Israel can offer well, it's not just the embassies that are, that are opening up. It is the increasing ties. It's the bilateral visits from African leaders. Mm, yeah. It's the uh, the amount of African organizations, NGOs, that are in the country. One country that's really, really showing an, an extraordinary amount of, of cooperation is the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay. At the moment, uh, I know it made uh, the, the news in, in this community this week. There is the largest cervical and breast cancer rollout or uh, screening and treatment rollout in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Sure. That is an Israeli company, Mobile ODT, that is bringing that technology to, to the Democratic Republic of Congo. We just had a delegation uh, from the DRC a couple of weeks ago called Africa Bless Israel with the, the intention of exactly that. Uh, Africa, the continent of Africa, blessing the state of Israel. And, uh, you know, now we have uh, in what we see happening in places like the United Nations, countries like Togo, Liberia, Eswatini taking a firm stand, Cameroon taking a firm stand along with the state of Israel. Uh, the Jewish report reporting two little boys from Eswatini receiving life-saving surgery from Save a Child's Heart. I had the privilege of visiting a couple of uh, months ago. Yeah. Uh, news coming in from Ethiopia that Israeli surgeons were successful in conducting surgeries despite an electricity um, blackout. So we are hearing more and more and more of these extraordinary ties between Israel and African countries just getting stronger and stronger. And African countries taking the approach, why should we have to choose sides in a conflict between Israel and the Palestinians that doesn't involve us? Why should we import a conflict mm. into our respective mm -hmm. countries when we could increase cooperation with both? So that is an, a, a, a lesson that if I was a South African, I would really, really internalize and ask Durko and ask the government, the rest of Africa can do that, why can't you? Well, let's look at also the Israeli Abraham Accords, uh, what they mean, and also tra how trade has increased significantly in 2022 to 2023. Let's go through that. Yes, because mm. the statistics are really, really encouraging. So uh, what we do know is that trade between Israel and Morocco in January to May of this year having, has increased by over 110% compared wow. to the same time period of last year. The UAE, that's the United Arab Emirates trade, has increased by 42% in, in uh, the same time period. That's January to May. Mm -hmm. And Bahrain, 24 and we are hearing more and more and more of this deal being struck, this governmental memorandum of agreement being struck. Now, uh, it, it's interesting that that is still taking place because there are concerns coming from our Abrahamic partners about the current government and some of the rhetoric they're sure. hearing from mm -hmm. the, the more extreme elements like Itamar Ben-Gavir, like uh, Betzalel Smotrich, 
of which struck uh, and others, and which is why we heard Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, just last week, um, really, really take Ben Gavir to task, saying, you know, we are losing legitimacy, and he is well aware of the diplomatic effect mm. of people like Ben Gavir and others within his party who are supporting extremists that have been carrying out violent acts. Well, despite them, uh, Rolene, uh, great and inspiring stories to end off our conversation with. Rolene, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon just to give us a background as to what's happening in Israel at the moment. Rolene Marks, our correspondent from Israel. So that's what's transpiring in the Holy Land at the moment.